0: You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com
1: Now, here's the OTI Guys. Hi guys, you're very welcome along to the Week 9 Recap Show. Of course, it's me, DJ, and I'm joined by Column, and we are the OTI Guys. Oh, hey! Week 9 Column coincided with... Halloween and for some teams it really was a horror weekend <laughs> Yeah,
2: DJ, some teams now uh, teams like the San Diego Chargers and that, it's one that they won't want to remember remember in a hurry but I'm sure we're going to break it down on the show and talk a little bit about those games but it wasn't too bad of a weekend for you DJ and the Patriots I'm sure you enjoyed watching that I thought it was a very impressive performance by the Patriots and I'm sure you're looking forward to talking about that but at least we'll have some real football back on this weekend as uh, the Packers are back off their bye week so Looking forward to seeing some proper action on the football field. And of course, these are them games that I mentioned, like the Packers. We'll be talking about them in the Week 10 preview show. Can't believe we're at Week 10 already, but that'll be coming out Thursday evening, Friday morning time here. And uh, we'll have Ross Tucker on to talk to us on that show to preview some of the games. So looking forward to talking with Ross on that. But on today's show, we have another guest, and it's Adam Goldstein. Some of you will know him as The Tailgate Night on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Tailgate Night. He has a new book coming out. He's going to talk a little bit about that, and of course he is a big Bears fan, so with the Packers playing the Bears this weekend, I might even have a little look forward to that game on this episode as well, so looking forward towards the end of the show, talking to Adam about the new the new bookies coming out, and of course Wembley this week for the, the Cowboys fans and uh, that there and so on going on at Wembley, and he's a bit of an expert on the tailgating side, so maybe they'll share some tailgating stories and maybe give some hints and tips to those guys heading down to Wembley this weekend, so looking forward to that later in the show. As always, DJ, plug to our pals at Last Word on Sport, they do give... You a great coverage of all sports there, and their website is lastwordonsport.com. The Twitter handle is at lastwordonsport. I hope you're all following them at this stage. If you're not, let's get over there and follow them straight away once you've finished listening to the show. And DJ, what other places should we be following on Twitter?
1: Well, at DJ Kelly Frost's. That's F R O S S. Yes, and I'm sure, Colm, they probably should follow you as well. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting to
2: note there, DJ, uh, you give yourself uh, a plug on Twitter rather than the Overtime Ireland account, which is at Overtime Ireland. That's the one I was getting a hint at, but DJ there, ego getting uh, a little out of line. Maybe we'll have to tone DJ down a bit on the uh, self-promotion sides, but Overtime Ireland, the Twitter handle, and, of course, DJ mentioned his, DJ Kelly Frost's, and if you want to go to mine, it's the column Kelly, and noticed a lot of you following me over the last few weeks, so good, good to get interacting with a lot of you on Twitter. So, DJ, uh, that's all the plugs out of the way, and I guess what the people are here to hear us talk about. Let's break down the Week 9 matchups.
0: Let's recap this weekend's NFL action. It's the OTI Weekend Roundup.
1: Yeah, Colin, you used an appropriate word, and that was breakdown, and that's what anybody that's been facing Big Ben Roethlisberger has been doing in the last few weeks. They've been having a breakdown.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think some of the fans watching those games, DJ, probably having a mental breakdown of sorts and a really, really another impressive performance. I thought it couldn't get much better after last week's performance against the Colts where he had six touchdowns but what does Ben go and uh, he just goes and decides here I'll have another six touchdowns please so that's 12 touchdowns through two games and you don't get much better than that and uh, Ben Roethlisberger very impressive Tony O'Brien is always the go-to guy there and he's having a, a fantastic season talked to him on the the preview show with Kieran Fahey and uh, he was talking about how much he likes watching him and he's just a, a great great receiver to watch and if you're looking now around the league he has to be up there in the kind of Top five kind of bracket off uh, top. I don't like the word elite, but let's say for argument's sake, elite wide receivers, that top tier. And uh, he's having a terrific season. Le'Veon Bell as well caught a touchdown. So he's playing a little bit as a receiver as well, not just as the running back. And uh, he's been very, very impressive for them as well. I've been surprised at uh, how the defence has worked over the last few weeks. They have a lot of injuries on that defensive side of the ball. And uh, have to say, DJ, they've uh, impressed me in the last few weeks. And this was a game I thought the Ravens would win, but uh, a big stand here mostly on the defensive side of the ball because uh, this game to start off the the steelers weren't going as good as they probably would have liked offensively they had a number of punts to start the game and then they got a couple of turnovers on the defensive side of the ball so all due respect to the defense they uh, got the ball over in good field position and uh, it was all down to ben roethlisberger then to get it in the end zone and they did that the game then towards the end got a a little bit out of hand but a, a big divisional win here for the steelers and disappointing for the Ravens because two weeks ago I was talking them up as probably one of the most complete teams in the NFL and now they're bottom of that division so all teams in that division with above 500 record but you have to say uh, the Ravens you know they were expecting big things a few weeks back and you know now they're they're fighting to get back in contention for this division.
1: In Colm you mentioned about Big Ben getting another six touchdowns that's 12 touchdowns in the last two games and that's more than he had in the first seven games combined, he had ten touchdowns in seven games, and now he's twelve in two. It yeah, is very, very impressive. When you, no matter what way you look about it, twelve touchdowns
2: in two games is is absolutely tremendous. And you know, it's, it's really hard easy to say anything other than that. And he, he looks like he's, he's playing quite well, and I, I've been impressed with his play. The thing, DJ, I mentioned the defensive side of the ball. You've players on there like James Harrison, who went to the Bengals last season, retired, then after last season, now he's back playing with the Steelers. He looked, you know, he was. His legs weren't as good at the start there for the first few weeks but uh, I think somewhere he's found the the fountain of youth and uh, anyone looking to stay young should try and find out where uh, James Harrison has his secret formula because he's looking good over the last few games and he had two sacks last week, Andrew Luckin had another good... Uh, game on the defensive side of the ball for the the Steelers this week so very interesting DJ watching the games and you know we go from week to week I mentioned talking up the, uh, the Ravens two weeks ago we talked like it's people want to say now the the Steelers are the best team but don't forget they're just three or four weeks ago they lost at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you know things turn around very quickly the Baltimore Ravens were flying high two weeks ago now they're at the bottom of that division so things can shake up very quickly and I know we want to make our decision right now, decide exactly who the best team in the league is and so on and so forth. But uh, just as opposed to the Pittsburgh Steelers fans, and I know there's a lot of people out there in Steelers Nation that listen to the show and uh, I'm, I'm sure they're uh, really, really enjoying the big divisional win, a 20-point win against the, the Baltimore Ravens over the weekend.
1: Yeah, Colm, one of the things I want to talk to you about is the turnaround the Steelers have made from when we seen them playing at Wembley last year. They're now 6-3 and three on the season for the start of this season and in the driving seat... For a playoff spot,
2: yeah, DJ you? talked about that game last year. I remember. Um, I think that was week four, maybe the season. They went to zero and four. I think when they lost to the the Vikings last season. But towards the end of last season, you'll remember that they went on a, a very very strong run, almost snuck into the playoffs last year, and it came down to that game where the the Chargers played the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs played a weakened team and. They missed a field goal late on, where they nearly beat the Chargers. Then we all know that the Chargers got into the playoffs and uh, eventually lost in the playoffs. But you know they they almost snook and they had a really strong run down the last uh, kind of eight games last year. And I think you know uh, they've continued that into this season, although they didn't start as strong as they might have liked, but in the last three or four weeks they've they've really pushed on, in particular the last two weeks, so strong turnaround there, Ben Roethlisberger's playing well, but he, towards, if you look back, at just go back and look at the, the fixtures towards the end of last season, those last eight games they were playing well as well, so, you know, you'll remember two DJ, in the, in the pre-season, uh, somebody on this podcast uh, said they were an outsider for the Super Bowl, but
1: uh, I'll not toot my own horn too much about that. Well, Colin, I think you're right to say they are an outsider, they'll probably be Steelers fans standing outside of the Stadium hosting the Super Bowl, but I think that's as close as Pittsburgh are going to get to the Vince Lombardi this year.
2: Yeah, I don't think they're going to win it, but I uh, still think you know they're they're showing the right formula playing, and just this division's going to be tough. You have the Bengals in it as well, the Ravens as well, and I don't think the Browns are going to be you know a legitimate trick getting into the playoffs, but it's it's a possibility. But I think um, you know the, there's going to be a team obviously coming out of this division, and whoever it is is definitely going to be a team that nobody in that AFC wants to face uh, in the early playoff stages.
1: Moving on, column to the Cleveland Browns against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, five point win for the Browns. Here, and I can safely say when the draft was made, I didn't think Johnny Football still wouldn't be the starter for the Browns. Yeah, it's been good stuff so far from Brian Hoyer.
2: Although he's not a player I enjoy watching, and he's not a player that's going to entertain too many people, he's doing the job, and he's you know he's managing the game well for them. He's had a couple issues with turnovers at times, but you know compared to taking in a rookie obviously what they're seeing in training is Hoyer's more productive at the moment and he's better for this fit of the Cleveland Browns offense so I, I was surprised that Manziel didn't start the season but as the season's progressed I think it's the right decision overall this game DJ was a game that uh, really hurt me uh, I backed uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this game they were 4-1 to to win the game and uh, you know, uh, it was one where I thought I, I was in with a good shout, but Hoyer, as you mentioned, he's playing well. He threw two touchdowns in this, and one. one of them was a long touchdown. I think it was a 53-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter that uh, sealed the deal for them. I think, uh, as I mentioned, it's going to be too tough for them to win this division, but they've had a, a huge improvement, particularly since that Trent Richardson trade last year where they've kind of helped uh, move the team forward, and they seem to be moving in the right direction. So it's been a more successful season than I'm sure many of the Browns fans would have expected, but uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be a little bit, In vain, I think. But uh, I'm sure the Browns fans there are telling me to shut up. But they're uh, enjoying the season as it goes along for them. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, has been very, very disappointing. Uh, It's hard to know. Mike Lennon, you know, he's a quarterback that I've liked watching. But some of his play is very, very poor from time to time. And again, this was a game where there was a a lot of questions where... I was just looking at him, wondering what he was thinking, what he was trying to do there, and Mike Evans looked good for him. He uh, had a couple of nice touchdown catches, and but he had a lot of overthrowing balls, a lot of underthrowing balls, a couple of interceptions, and just overall, it's uh, hard to know when they uh, come out next week whether Glennon's definitely going to be the starter, and Josh McCowan is you know, starting to come back in, uh, in training, and we'll see when he comes back from that injury who is the starter. I think Glennon still deserves more time, but you know, if he, if he keeps playing the way he is, it's, uh, it's not looking good for him. The running game uh, for the Bucks wasn't as bad as it has been over the last few weeks. Bobby Rainey had 87 yards, and uh, Doug Martin was inactive with his injury. But you know this Browns team was giving up the second most rushing yards per game to uh, any opposing opposition, and you know 87 yards then was a lot below what their average was. So it's hard to look too positively on the running game there. So one one very positive or two very positive signs for the. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and this was Mike Evans had a, a very very good game here, and uh, also I was very impressed with the play of uh, Gerald McCoy, who has been terrific over this season and last season, even though he's not in a not in a, a great team overall. So, a couple of positives there, but I'm sure it was a disappointing weekend for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans.
1: The Arizona Cardinals, fantastic start to the season continued. Now the best team in the NFC, twenty 28- eight. Seventeen victory against a quarterback Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> well,
2: that's a bit harsh there on uh, Brandon Whedon. I'm sure he thinks that he's a quarterback anyway. <laughs> there was parts of this game, DJ, that uh, you know the Cardinals thoroughly dominated the majority of the game. Actually, they went down uh, early on with a, a pick six from their quarterback, DJ, and uh, you know early on that their pick six I mentioned. Put them behind, but you know, they went really strong after that, got four touchdowns in a row to, to respond to that, got built up a big lead, and then it was kind of in garbage time that the Cowboys came back in, had got a late Des Bryant touchdown. But overall, DJ a very, very positive performance with the Cardinals. Des Bryant's run of hundred yard rushing games comes to an end as the, the Cardinals really stepped up. Their run defence is absolutely terrific, the best in the league and Really, really uh, tough to run against. And that was proven as DeMarco Murray struggled to get through. I think I said Dez Bryant's run a rushing yards there if I did um, DeMarco Murray. But uh, it was uh, disappointing, obviously, for the Cowboys. And especially with Romo being out, who was going to be an uphill task. And uh, just proved how, how valuable he is. Although... From time to time, you all make mistakes, rarely made any mistakes this season, and uh, I think they they, they need to get him back as soon as possible. They couldn't really move the ball with Brandon Whedon, and uh, Des Bryant was really shut out to that final drive that I mentioned, that he got the touchdown, but Arizona's defence, Patrick Peterson's been having a tough year, and I think he has to be credited for his performance here, where he really did shut down Des Bryant, so... You know, a, a terrific all-round performance, and just that's probably the best way to say it, an all-round performance for the Cardinals, and you mentioned they're the best record in the uh, NFC, I think they're thoroughly deserving, and they're looking very strong at the moment, and you know, as we'll talk about the rest of the teams in their division, DJ, they, they really look strong for a, a playoff spot at the moment.
1: and Carl. normally I'm critical of lower quarterback, shall we say, like Geno Smith, but I think Geno Smith would have to be put into the Peyton Manning, Brady, Rogers, Breeze debate, Compared to what Brandon Whedon done last night, I think crimes against quarterback play was probably something they could consider charging him with. And I'm sure the UK Cowboys fans probably aren't best pleased about me slipping their quarterback, but I can guarantee you they'll never, they'll not want to see him. Start another game for the Cowboys anytime soon.
2: Yeah, indeed, the realistic possibility is, you know, you mentioned there, the, the, obviously the Cowboys are the team of OTI this year. They started off the flyer, and uh, they're slowing down a bit. But you mentioned there that, and they're obviously travelling to London this weekend to go on the Jaguars. So very interesting to see if uh, Tony Romo plays in that one. You mentioned not wanting Whedon to play again. Maybe they could have back-to-back weeks of Branton Whedon. But they obviously... Uh, if that's the case, they have to deal with it, and we'll see what happens. But Tony Romo will be traveling with the team to London, similar to what Calvin Johnson done, and we'll just see how close of a game time decision he is. I think it will be a game time decision, and it'll be interesting to see if Romo plays. I think if there is, you know, if it's a, a seventy thirty percent chance, I think uh, he, he will start, and we'll see what happens come the weekend. But I'm sure those Cowboys' fans as you mentioned are are really hoping that Romo's back in and that Whedon's back out because this here just was not a good def- offensive display from them.
1: Come the Philadelphia Eagles got a win. 31-21 against the Houston Texans and Ma sure Butt Fumble got a game. Speaking of quarterbacks, this guy, Mark Sanchez.
2: Another one-year old pals DJ from his New York Jets days, and I'm sure you remember that butt fumble that you referenced there quite fondly.
1: Well, in fairness to Mark Sanchez, he actually wasn't terribly bad when he came on to the He Did a few good things, but when you're taking on the Houston Texans, as of late, it hasn't really been as much of a challenge as the Texans fans would hope their team would put up.
2: Well, I think the, then- the offensively, DJ sometimes it's not that much of a challenge, but any week you go out and face JJ Watt, it's a, a big, big challenge. And you know, he they got a lot of pressure here at times on the quarterbacks, and particularly the time that Foles got hit. Seems like Foles is out now for at least a month with a dislocated collarbone or a, a fractured collarbone. So it's a, that's a big blow for obviously Foles. But when Sanchez came in, he done a, a capable job and. You know, he was getting the rush, obviously, from J.J. Watson, David Clowney, and the rest of the the Texans, D but, you know, it's cushing out that there's a bit bit less rush coming on you. When you when you look at it, D.J. had a, a couple of interceptions, obviously, but he had a couple of nice throws as well, and as he comes in, this, you know, he's in a relief performance, he's not starting the game, we'll see now when he starts the next few games how he gets on, but you know even when he was with the jets dj got them you know and a couple of playoff runs got them to the afc championship game and you know then it really did go downhill towards the end of his time he started off quite well in in new york but as it went downhill and you know then you had tebow coming in there was a lot of stuff you know affecting his confidence and then he got injured and didn't get a chance Then with Geno smith playing last year so there was a lot of bad stuff a lot of negative stuff around the end of his time there you mentioned the butt, fun, <laughs> butt, fundle, the butt fumble as well and uh you know, that's kind of what he's been remembered for. But I'm sure he's very, very, uh, nearly, I would say, desperate to, to turn things around and show that, you know, give a more positive spin on his career as a quarterback. Because any of these guys that are playing quarterback in the NFL, there's obviously talent there. But just sometimes the performance and the decision-making doesn't match up to that. So we'll see uh, how Sanchez does in the next few weeks. But a big one here for the Eagles after their narrow loss last week to the Arizona Cardinals, who we were talking up a minute ago. So obviously we have to think of the, the, the Eagles in a in a positive light as well now just on the eagles um a couple injuries for them uh i think it was D'Amico ryan's that caught an interception then went down um fumbled the ball no, it was he fumbled it but he tore his achilles tent so he's gonna be out for the rest of the season a very very disappointing injury uh for him as he you know he got the interception and just uh whatever happened inside his body then went to the achilles tent tear, turn obviously a big big blow for them big big blow for the eagles and uh just uh, wish him a, a speedy recovery. Arian Foster also ended out with a non contact injury in this and you know, he seemed very frustrated, he threw his helmet down onto the ground and uh, it, it looks like one that, you know, he kinda knew that it could be a, a more of a serious injury than some other people might have thought if he hadn't threw the helmet down. But anytime there's a non contact injury and a player is to go out of the game you're obviously not looking at something that's gonna be very positive. But the other thing for the Eagles obviously with Jeremy Macklin with another big game here and he's been very impressive over the last few weeks for them. So He's a deep threat downfield, and uh, they're playing quite well. The Philadelphia Eagles, if they can start to run the ball a bit better, uh, with LeSean McCoy in the backfield, it could all start to look very positive for them. Speaking of the New York Jets, quarterback former quarterback Mark Sanchez, current quarterback Michael Vick, could not lead them to victory this week against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. Obviously, the Chiefs uh, had a had a win here, and it was very comfortable for them throughout. Uh, they were twenty one ten up at the half, and also scored in the second half it was a field goal so a comfortable win here it's three in a row and they've won five of six games they bet the chargers last week or in their in their last game which at the moment or sorry they bet the Rams in their last game chargers the game before that and obviously we thought the chargers game was a big win for them but chargers haven't looked that great in the last few weeks but they're starting to look good uh, obviously we're not seeing any like deep balls from alex smith but we're seeing the usual stuff between the running game of jamal charles the short passes off alex smith uh, it's been very positive for the Chiefs in recent weeks and the defence is starting to look good again. Justin Houston has been very very good uh, Chiefs linebacker had two more sacks and he's leading the league with 12 sacks on the season. The other thing to do in this game was obviously Percy Harvin had got a lot of the ball for the Jets but overall uh, was all in vain as they only put up 10 points on the scoreboard so Michael Vick in there no turnovers for him which is a more positive Outlook for the Jets, but on a on a grander scheme, it's another loss and very very disappointing season at the minute for the Jets, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, Rex Ryan and uh, you know the rest of the coaching staff there in New New York as uh, the season progresses.
1: Yeah, calm as it stands, there's basically a four way sprint for the number one pick in the 2015 NFL Draft, and well, we New York Jets.
2: Are- we haven't talked about it yet, DJ, but I'm sure uh, when we get down to the Seattle Seahawks game. I think uh, we know who's going to have the number one pick in next year's draft.
1: New York Jets got them 1-8, just in case any of their fans had missed out on that. (laughs) Oakland Raiders 0-8, Jags 1-8 and and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 1-7. So even though there's quite a number of games still to go in the season, it looks like it could be a four-way battle between those teams. Mentioned, to the Miami Dolphins, and they had an absolutely comprehensive
2: win over the San Diego Chargers. No points for the Chargers. The first time in Philip Rivers' career that he's been shut out, and Miami Dolphins putting up those 37 points. Ryan Tannehill looking very, very good. And, uh, you know, Dan Marino's kind of been coaching him up over the last few weeks, giving him a few pointers and uh, seems to be working a treat as he's rushing the ball well throwing the ball with great effectiveness he's you know has a very high completion rate over the last few weeks so very impressive performance here by them on the grand scheme of things and you know defensively they're looking good Cameron Wicks looking good good pass rush and then obviously when you're having that good pass rush up front you're getting more time uh, or they're not having to cover the uh, wide receivers for as long with the cornerbacks and so on so very another per- comprehensive performance here by the Dolphins, but lots of questions to be asked of the San Diego Chargers who have now lost three on the bounce, and it'll be interesting to see how they how they do in the next few weeks. I think they have a bye week next week, so we'll see how they do coming out of that.
1: Yeah, Colin, the Chargers were really poor in week nine, and in fairness to Ryan Tannehill, he's been doing very well since Joe Philbin flirted the idea of turning to backup quarterback Matt Moore in late September, and it's going to be interesting to see if he can keep it up for the rest of the season and maybe give the Dolphins a chance off a playoff spot.
2: Yeah, since that game DJ in London, he's really turned things around and looked very impressive. So I have to say uh, it's been good watching him over the last few weeks, seeing his development going forward. A quarterback DJ a game, maybe a two-quarterback, so we're looking at their development. And one coming back from injury and one as a rookie, and that was the Minnesota Vikings against the Redskins. Of course, the quarterbacks, Robert Griffin the third and... Teddy Bridgewater, but it was Teddy Bridgewater who came out on top in this a narrow win, a three point win for them. Robert Griffin started off great. He was flying down the field six of six and then he went from twelve to twenty twelve by of twenty two after that. So he was going good at the start and then it slowed down a little bit, but there was a lot of pass rush here, D J He got kinda at of alive by the, the pass rush of the Vikings and their defence is looking very strong over the past number of weeks and uh, you know they're they're starting to get things done although as I mentioned with the Browns, I think it'll not be enough in this division that they're sitting in as well. But Bridgewater uh, threw 42 passes, which is an absolutely incredible amount for a rookie. So he uh, he had quite a good game overall, I thought. And Matt Ades- had uh, three rushing touchdowns in this game. Matt Ades- had now has nine rushing touchdowns in his career. And he's got them in just three games. Each time he scored one, he's got three. So quite incredible that uh, he has three games of three touchdowns and no touchdowns outside of any game, outside of those three. So an interesting stat there in him. But Jarek McKinnon's playing uh, some nice stuff there running back. And although he's not getting all the goal line work as we've seen in this game, he's uh, definitely the better option at running back for the, the Minnesota Vikings, obviously, with the, the absence of Adrian Peterson there. Griffin, though, uh, obviously his first game back, and uh, his his mobility wasn't an issue. He was you know, running out of the pocket and... He was looking quite good overall, but some of his mechanics just throwing the ball, and that seemed a little off still. And you know, After we've seen his first year as a quarterback, he was so explosive in, a, in his rookie campaign. And you know, After his injury, and then obviously another injury at the start of the season, it uh, hasn't been all that smooth sailing for him, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes in, in the coming weeks. But um, overall, uh, another disappointing result for the, for the Redskins, and they have a bye next week as well. A very very disappointing loss dj coming up next and that was for the the 49ers they obviously were playing a divisional game as well they were at home to the st louis rams at Levi stadium Levi stadium dj so far not been uh, too positive to the 49ers and this was a game i really thought they would win i thought they would coast to victory in this game and kaepernick didn't have one of his better games at quarterback for them they didn't run the ball very well their offensive line was dominated kaepernick was sacked eight times and those six of those in the first 30 minutes of the game. Robert Quinn had two sacks and they really, really dominated that 49ers offensive line. That's not something you see done in the NFL all that much, somebody dominating the 49ers. But they haven't been as good on the offensive line as they have been uh, over the last number of seasons. And it's been an issue for them, both running the ball and protecting the quarterback. So... I just uh, thought overall very, very disappointing for the 49ers. The Rams came to play. It's very interesting that the Rams, DJ, they seem to struggle when they play outside of their division, but in the last, uh, I think it's the last four games, they've bet both the Seahawks and the 49ers, so they're doing well in their division, but outside of that, then... They're not uh, not doing as well as maybe you would expect. Chris Borland in this game uh, had quite a good game for the 49ers, although they lost the game. He had 18 tackles in the game, the highest total of any player in the NFL this season. So big performance by him, but it, it was in vain in the end, and all came down to the last number of seconds. Throw to Crabtree, and it was rude that he, he caught it, but it was a yard short off the end zone, and then obviously they went to try and rush it in. Kaepernick went for it in his own. The ball was fumbled by Kaepernick. The camera angle was inconclusive whether the ball was over the line or not, and... The, the fumble was recovered by one of the Rams players so you know in the end uh, a loss here in the, the 49ers it had to be a tough one to take especially in the circumstances at the very end where it uh, resulted in the fumble to Kaepernick. DJ mentioned the Oakland Raiders and the uh, the Seahawks we were talking about the, the first overall pick and I guess uh, with the first pick in the 2014 draft well that's me wrong we're talking about next year it's the 2015 draft of course and I uh, I think most people are predicting at this stage it's going to be the Oakland Raiders. They did manage to put up twenty four points against the Seattle Seahawks. Lost this one by six points. Marshawn Lynch having a big game here, one hundred and forty three total yards, two rushing touchdowns. He looked very very good in this one. Bit of a quieter game for uh, Russell Wilson in this one, just one hundred and seventy nine yards passing. But Oakland was uh, getting a good pass rush on them, and you have to be impressed with some of the some of the work rate that they're putting in on the defensive side of the ball for Oakland. Nice uh, nice moment at the end of this game with. Uh, Charles Woodson and Richard Sherman swapping their jerseys after the game. Two guys that I'm sure have huge respect for each other. And Charles Woodson, a former Packer down there again now in Oakland. Oldest player in the NFL. Or not? rather, there's some kickers older than them, but oldest defensive player, we'll put it in the NFL. But uh, Derek Carr continues to look good, although he had a, a pick six in this game and uh, he had another interception late on with Richard Sherman. But, you know, uh, kept working hard and, you know, it was a tough loss for them. But if they could play this well when they're playing some of the you know, maybe the lesser thought-off teams in the NFL. Uh, I think they'll have a chance to pick up that win. You know, winless at the minute. So I think a win, probably just around the corner for those Oakland Raiders fans and the Seahawks getting you know another win here at home and uh, keeping the keeping the pressure up on the, the Cardinals. But as I mentioned, what the what the 49ers, this loss to the 49ers and the win for both the Seahawks and the Cardinals puts a lot of pressure on this uh, 49ers team. We really are at uh, no more mistake territory now. And DJ, I'm, I'm amazed we lasted this long without talking about this game. And of course, it is the New England Patriots playing the Denver of Broncos. And uh, of course, Mr. Peyton Manning didn't have one of his better nights here, but I think it was mainly down to the uh, nice defensive work off. Your New England Patriots, a 43 to 21 victory here, and looked in uh, Luckton control thoroughly throughout.
1: Yeah, Colin, it's good that we're finally moving on to the number one team in the AFC. Not just the AFC East, because that division's wrapped up at this stage, but (laughs) all to the uh, AFC Conference. I'm sure Mr. Tannehill will disagree with you there. But Colin, it was a fantastic game by both the Patriots' offence and some of the defensive players. Some of them, I thought, they were just there to stand and watch some of the Broncos players gain an extra five or six yards on some runs.
2: Well, on that point, DJ, I have to say, uh, you can't really say Branton Browner was letting people run past him because he loves to get a little penalty flag there for
1: holding on to jerseys. Yeah, Colin, the result was 43-21 <laughs> to the Patriots. Branton Browner made some mistakes. He's only back a few games, been playing quite well. Rob Gronkowski, you know, average enough game. A few touchdowns between friends. And But yeah, it was it was nice to see to Tlaib and Wes Welker back. Gillette Stadium and on the right side of the result. But come an interesting fact was that Brady and Manning combined for the most pass attempts ever in a non-overtime game Yeah, they were really throwing the ball a lot. Both teams
2: really need really to struggle to run this. Obviously, Denver's very very strong against the run and the Patriots obviously came up big trying to stop the run because it's something obviously that the Broncos want to do. Get the run going first and then work off that to get Manning some nice uh, play-action passes and uh, overall, DJ, was, they were slinging it everywhere, and, and I was, uh, was surprised that obviously Manning, when they fell behind earlier on, the, when the pressure's on him sometimes when he is a bit behind, that's when mistakes can be made, he's playing a lot of these games from in front and, uh, you know, he got a lot of, there was a lot of pressure on him, a couple of nice sacks for the Patriots and Ayers, who they acquired uh, just recently from the Tennessee Titans in that trade, DJ had a nice, a nice sack of Manning in this game too Overall, though some nice plays by by the Broncos with this game, I thought DJ was always in control, and particularly after Julian Edelman took that uh, punt return back for a touchdown, I thought you know that was the moment that the game was really out of, out of hand for the Broncos. But what their high powered offense, you never really can count them out, and uh, was an enter- entertaining game to watch. You mentioned Rob Gronkowski, DJ over five hundred yards in the in the, the month of uh, October, and that's the best five game stretch of his career. So. He's uh, really getting back into form. People were wondering, you know, what the injuries he's had over the last few years. Could he get back into his overall uh, positive form? And uh, he's really dominant at the moment and uh, looks as good as ever. He also had an amazing catch here that he caught the ball, landed at the one-yard line, then. From that their amazing catch, uh, Brady decided, oh, sure, I'll just throw it over to Rob again, and he got a touchdown from one yard out. So, very, very positive here from him. I uh, thought that uh, Edelman had a great game as well, DJ, for the Patriots. I must say, I thought he was very impressive. I mentioned that uh, punt return as well. Darrell Rivas looking good again. And uh, But, uh, obviously, teams aren't going to go through the season one in every single game. The Broncos had a down week this week, and I think some people are a bit too quick to jump on it. The Patriots are very good at home. Don't lose too many there, and uh, I think the Broncos will bounce back in sufficient form next week. So, We'll see what happens going forward, but a uh, Patriots DJ, you have to be very happy with. Uh, after we talked a number of times in the first three or four weeks of the season about how things maybe didn't look great for them, you have to be very, very positive at the moment. And Tom Brady, I think, since uh, that loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, I think they've put up over forty points in every game since that. So good, good times here for the Patriots. And uh, uh, talking to you off air as well, I know that you're you're really enjoying it. So DJ, that there is all the games that we're going to talk through because I'm going to talk through that uh, Cincinnati Bengals and Jaguars game with Adam in, uh, in a very short time so so to do that there's uh, all the games that we're going to talk through I'm going to talk through that Cincinnati Bengals and Jaguars game with Adam now in just a second and uh, of course we're going to talk to him about his book we'll be back after to talk a little bit more about the week's action and uh, to wrap up the show so let's get Adam on the show right now
1: Hi, this is former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker, the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you are listening to the Overtime Ireland
2: Podcast. Joining me on the show again, Uh, we had him on probably around this time last year, but I haven't had him on in a while, and it's always good to talk to him. It's uh, Adam Goldstein, a lot of you might know him on Twitter, it's the Tailgate night. He's the, maybe we'll call him a tailgating superstar. (laughs) Uh, Do they? I don't know. I
0: thought
2: that's what you called yourself.
0: And, and, no I, I think I'd like people to call me that that'd be nice
2: <laughs> no well uh, it's great to have you back on the show Adam and obviously uh, it's kind of coinciding with your the, the new book you out. you obviously had uh, Tailgate to Heaven which was a fantastic read um, I read that and reviewed it for the Overtime Ireland website and it was one of, one of the best sporting books I read more so it wasn't even to do with sporting occasions but it's just the stories going around the different stadiums and just for any of the ones that haven't Uh, heard your background story don't follow you on twitter or that Uh, anyone can follow him on twitter it's at tailgate night that's night with a k and uh, just give a little bit background into the the first book adam
0: uh sure um I'm glad you enjoyed it. the in 2000 in 2008 I have always been a big Bears fan, huge Bears fan. But in uh, in 2008 I decided to. Well, I actually decided in 2006, but I didn't do this mega trip until 2008. In 2006 I discovered in Arizona when I went to see my Bears play there because uh, a friend of mine got married nearby. Um, I saw tailgating and I, you know, coming from the UK, we normally go to games or g- growing up, you know, watching soccer, you go to the games a few, 10 minutes before the game. So we had done that. We would missed any of this so-called tailgating because nobody told me about it. And on the way out, or rather, I, I kind of left the game a bit early because the Bears were losing. And that's where I saw a plethora of people cooking, grills, TVs. And I was kind of shocked, and I just thought that this sort of thing would happen, you know, in, in warm states. Uh, um, but the gentleman, the Arizona fan, was happy to cook me a burger and, and a hot dog whilst I watched my Bears beat his Cardinals in in a last-minute hurrah. So I was very sort of shocked that he was so welcoming, and he said, this is a major part of American football or NFL, this Tailgating—it happens at every team. Different food, uh, obviously different rituals, different drinks, that kind of stuff. And I just thought he was talking nonsense. And um, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to sort of literally taste the different um, tailgates from all the different teams, see if they're different? So I thought, well, I'd have to do it in one year to see every team play. I mean, obviously, every you know, it'd be great to see all the stadiums, and that's just seeing a lot of football. Would, but I wanted to specifically sort of get into the sort of tailgating to, to, if I could. So what I did in 2008, I, um, I sold my flat in London. I left my job. I left my, well, I didn't leave my, I left my girlfriend at home. She's now my fiance. Uh, she's a Jags fan and a Browns fan. So. Picking um, the best
2: teams in the league there. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and the whole goal was obviously to have a kick-ass time and have a great road trip and see all the, every team play at least once and be what it's like to be a home fan for each team. And, the, you know, getting more. You know, I wrote a blog about it, and the idea was to get more people into the sport through the food and the tailgating culture. Because going to tailgates, you know, Steph isn't a huge NFL fan, but she'll have a she'll go to any game with me, including the London games, because the tailgate's so much fun. And also, going to games, especially in America, there's so much. You know, what I call the hoopla. There's the jumbotrons, the mascots, the high fiving. Some teams are more social than others. Jaguars have now obviously implemented implemented a, uh, a swimming pool. So I could leave Steph in the swimming pool and I can watch the game. Whereas in soccer, there's no way she's going to a Tottenham game with me. You know, it's, no, I wouldn't it's all, go to a Tottenham game either. Yeah. It all relies on what happens on the field. And I think American football is a bit more of a celebrationary sport. There's only 18, eight home games. So that's what I did in 08. I ended up going to 40 football games, uh, more than the, the the amount that I was wanted to go to just, you know, just because the way the schedule worked, I was able to put in a few more in and had a great time. And then I um, wrote a book about it called Tower Gate to Heaven, which you uh, which you read. And um, it's, now that's just come out in paperback. So I'll be at the Green Man this weekend for the Jags-Cowboys game if anyone wants a copy. My my copies are £7, whereas I think Amazon copies are a little bit more. Um, but they've just come out in paperback, which is a little bit less heavy than the uh, hardback.
2: Yeah, anyone travelling to the game will be easily able to get that their paperback through their uh, luggage <laughs> <laughs> onto their planes. But uh, no, it was, a, it was a great reading. it's really basically going you into each stadium. It kind of gives you the you know the date of the game and the team's play and some of the background about it, and then you give about some of the super, uh, super tailgaters and that, some of the people at the games that you met up with and the different stories around it and then travelling around the United States. And as you mentioned, there's some people might not really caught it. You kind of under... Undersold it. You went to forty games in one season. So this year I was was at the Wembley game, uh, the last one with the Falcons and the Lions, and I went to the Seahawks against the uh, Chargers In San Diego at the start of the season. So I've now done one twentieth of what you've done in that season. So so just how was
0: your experience in San Diego? Oh, it was
2: fantastic. Yeah one of the best experiences ever, not just the holiday was fantastic, but the game was tremendous, and then of course the, the Chargers did win that game against the Seahawks, so the home fans were really up for it, it was their first home game of the season, and just uh, it was fantastic, and the, the people of San Diego were really nice too, so although it is an older stadium and that, and they're hoping to get a you know a revamp, uh, it was it was a fantastic place to go to the game, but, when we're talking about going to America, like I've been now to two games in the States and you really see a difference the, the other game, was at the MetLife Stadium. And, uh, but now, just as an interest, when we were down in Wembley for the, the game there just two weeks ago, I think uh, the atmosphere at the games, including outside the stadium, has it's almost getting a little bit similar to what it is in the United States. You probably still think, after all your experiences over there, there's still a big gap, but it's a bit more authentic, do you think?
0: Yeah, I think I think so. I think some people give the, uh, the 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 fan zone slash tailgate a bit of a uh, you know not a lot of praise, and I think it's it's difficult because we can't properly tailgate because of the rules we've got. Probably because of the culture, a lot of people take the train; they don't drive there, uh, that kind of thing. But the fan zone last year, you know, would or the year before, have done like. Um, sort of a mock gridiron cheerleader has come out, had a bit of a show. The last two games have, have been, in some ways, closer to a tailgate. Yeah. You don't need a ticket, it's more relaxed, it's embedded in like just the, the street, if you like, where there's now shops and stuff. And they've got some inflatable. So it, it feels less formal and which is probably close to a tailgate, and I, I tailgate up at the Green Man. Again, it's not a, a, a real tailgate, it's a pub with a garden and we play some beer pong and we try and give out prizes and that kind of thing. I mean, at the end of the day, a real tailgate has you know, very little to do with The it's not so formal, so people rock up. They bring their TV. A lot of them don't go into the stadium. They cook for people all around them. They cook, you know, and you just you're just quite left to your own devices. And I just don't think our culture or our politicians are willing to allow eighty thousand people to just be so sort of free. Yeah, Um,
2: I think as well. I don't know. I was saying about the experience of it. I don't know if it's uh, you mentioned there the kind of legalities of it and that. Seem to be a lot more people doing the kind of tailgating thing where they were going with a six-pack, whether that's allowed or not out to Wembley Stadium. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to say one way or the other, but that seemed to be adding to it as well. And just you mentioned as well about uh, you didn't need a ticket. I do actually think anyone that's heading up this week, I think they do actually need a ticket to get into the oh, okay. So I don't actually know what the different plans going to be this week, but just in case anyone's listening, they're like, oh, I don't have a ticket, I'll go up. Uh, I don't want any... <laughs> They'll be sending us tweets next week to give an out. <laughs>
0: Well, that's, I think, the biggest difference. I wouldn't go to Tottenham to just pre-drink in a pub yeah. if I didn't have a ticket. Whereas thousands of people go tailgating and have, you know, if they score a ticket, great, but they, all, they can watch it. Someone will have a TV outside. And they just some people just go to party because you don't need a ticket. And I think that's the one of the biggest differences. People don't, even if people came to the Green Man without a ticket, I still don't think they would go all the way to Wembley to to just hang out in a pub, to not go to a game. As fun as I like to think we make it. Um, I was
2: going to say as well, though anyone that going up that doesn't have a ticket, uh, the ideal place to go would be the green man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it is a bit different. But as you say, I think in the stadium, people are getting wiser as to when to shout and cheer. It's always going to be a bit tricky when take the Raiders and Miami, when um, Miami were doing so well, and, you know, at the, the last game, you know, you don't have a natural home fan base. So, um, you know, when, when I'm sure you were at the Chargers, 90, 85%, yeah. of, you know, were cheering when the Chargers' defense came yeah. on. Whereas at the last game of Falcons and Lions, people cheered. I think people like myself, I was just cheering. For, I just wanted scoring in a close game, and, and we got that. Um, so, you know, the Falcons took took a home game to Wembley. I'm not sure there was wasn't exactly, you know, I don't know how many Falcon fans there were, there were some from Atlanta, but equally when the Lions came on D, there was some cheering. So you, it, it's an interesting one, the Wembley one, and I think that people ask me how it compares to games in America, and I, I probably reckon it has about 70%. You know, it ha- doesn't have the halftime show, which always irks me. The Jumbotrons aren't as interactive or as big. And also Wembley isn't built as a social stadium. So take like Pittsburgh, for example, Any fans can all go to under the Jumbotron and just meet there on the concourse and you can still watch the game. Uh, Sitting with one of my quarterbacks at the last game, uh, I coached the Oxford Lancers, and he wanted to meet his sister down on the lower level and we were up high and there was nowhere they could mingle or go. That actually
2: happened uh, happened with one of the guys that was sitting beside us. We had a spare ticket and his brother was in the upper tier and he had to go and... There was a whole hullabaloo about they had to meet at the left, and he had to show that he had a spare ticket, and then the guy had actually come down the elevator, go outside, use the ticket, then to come back in through the lower level turnstile. So there was a whole thing like that. So I can see, I can really see what you're saying there. And and you know, obviously
0: the low low down, we have to tarpaulin because it's quite low. It's really built for soccer, which is a bit of a shame. But that's not to say it's not it's not good and it's not fun. It's it's. I'm glad, like any NFL fan, that um, games are in in London. But I, I f- I'm feeling a little bit spoiled in that there's three games next, potentially three games next year. But I'm, although I'm from London and I live in Oxford now, I'm quite willing. You know, I'd like to see what it'd be like in other stadiums, maybe maybe Twickenham, but also more, you know, up north, Manchester, Ireland. I'd I'd go to Germany, and I would, you know, it feels like we have three home games when a lot of NFL fans like to go to one or two away games because they get to see another city. They get to have a weekend away. I know a lot of Europeans come to London, but as a lot of that, I'd quite like to see what how the NFL and how American football culture works in, in other parts of this country and Europe. And I would probably be now a bit more motivated to go and check that out now that I've been to so many games in London if that makes sense
2: yeah that would be interesting as well but I think just with the the way London's set up with well, the way they I think they like the setup at Wembley and the way that the transport system and so on in London I think that's something that the, the NFL likes but we'll see you going forward it be I wouldn't complain about having a game in Ireland <laughs> in <the park laughs> maybe like that, but uh, uh, just moving on, one of the games I didn't recap already on the show with the uh, DJ was the, the Bengals and the Jags, and I know that's a game that, that you've seen quite a bit of this weekend. Were you impressed with the Bengals and uh, overall, like the Andy Dalton another turnover in the fourth quarter, but overall I think they got the job done. They got AJ Green back as well and Jeremy Hill done quite well in the absence of uh, Gio Bernard.
0: Absolutely, Hill was sensational. Um, I really like him playing out the spread and even in the I formation, he had 154 yards. You know, it was really, really good. And, you know, Sanu as well, A.J. Green and Sanu. I think that one of the major differences in this game was that um, there was a good mix between pass and run from the Bengals, but the receivers caught the ball when they needed to and made big plays when they needed to. And the screen screen game wasn't wasn't bad. Uh, good use of play action, that was one of my notes. Um, but, but Jacksonville, you know, Blake Bortles was a bit shaky in the first half, his footwork. Uh, leaves a lot to be desired and he, he he had one interception but he probably should have had three. He, he, he threw two passes that should have been yeah, picked. Have been um, absolutely and their running back Robinson looks looks agile and healthy and I hope he does well in London on Saturday and, uh, and Hearns at, at receiver 112 yards. I actually have him in my fantasy but I foolishly benched him <laughs> um, but you know it, it took a while for the game to get going and what four or five drives led to, led to punts and you know, the, the, the Bengals, you know, when they were um, they were up quite a bit, but Jags got back in it with um, after a fumble bottles Bortles' pass, um, and, and then Robinson got in. I think it got back to 23-26, and that's when it looked like we had a bit of a game, but then um, that brilliant 60-yard um, yeah, yeah, he busted it, and that was kind of it for the game. But the Jags definitely looked better in the second half. I think the biggest the biggest difference was... I said about the receivers and Bortles-Reeds, but also I found that um, the Jags' defence managed to get to the running backs or got themselves in a good position to make the tackle, but just missed tackles or didn't seem to be that aggressive. They just couldn't finish the play, whereas the Bengals seemed to be a bit more hungry, a bit more crisper on offence. Their play actions and their timings were really good and, and brought them through a couple of lovely passes uh, for a couple of touchdowns. And um, there was a couple of mistakes, but... They, they did all right, but the, but the Jags, you know, they, they're looking better. I think if they had a stronger start at the beginning and make some first downs and control the, the run game, um, they might be able to do quite well against the Cowboys on Saturday. Obviously, the Cowboys won't be playing Tony Romo, or at least very limited, and, and they they didn't really turn up this week. So although I don't want to see players injured, I also think that, that from a neutral's perspective, you know, I think we're all expecting the Cowboys to... to blow out the Jags and I just think it would be if it can stay competitive for as long as possible I think that'd be good for the for the NFL come Sunday um I'll be rooting for the Jags so my <laughs> the, uh, so it, it should be
2: good. yeah and the, the two points I would take away from this I thought from the Bengals perspective that you know although uh at the start of the season started off really well then they had a few stumbling <laughs> blocks they had you know the the Patriots game and then they had the uh, game against the Colts and you know they, they've started to turn around the last few weeks they bet the Ravens last week won this game they haven't been great neither but you know it's all about getting wins and you know Dalton's had a few mistakes but you have uh, AJ Green's back now for them so there should be some positives but the thing I took away from the Oakland Raiders game the same as I took away for the Jags and this if they could play like this against some of the weaker teams in the NFL I think they would get a, pick up a couple of wins but they seem to be you know, keeping up with the good teams, but then not being able to keep up with the with the bad teams. So it's a it's an interesting combination for both of them, but a, a good win overall for the Bengals. And I have to say, offensively, there's a, a couple of positives. You mentioned the wide receivers there, and obviously Denard Robinson at running back. There's a few positive pieces there for for the Jaguars. So I am looking forward to seeing them this this week against the uh, the Cowboys. And obviously, the Cowboys have a few injuries in the in the defense as well. A couple of players lost for the season now. So it'll be. I think it's been more competitive than people expect.
0: Yeah, I, I, I hope so. Um, I think they just need to. You are right. I think a lot of bad teams play better when they play good teams. I think they up their game um, and that kind of thing. I've, I've, you know, it's common. The Bears have always done it in the past, not killed off the the, the easier teams. Um, but I think the you know if the Jags are going to be here year in and year out. It's uh, essential that they they can get a win here and and basically just start playing a bit better. I think so. I'll, I'll be rooting for. Them.
2: And uh we obviously now between myself and DJ and myself and you we have all the games covered for this week, but uh you know, we talked about your book and you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to tell people <laughs> where they can buy the book. I think that's the most important thing to do. I mentioned the ah, force yes. the force book we talked about the
0: first book, but I, I didn't mention the second book, did I?
2: No. So the first book obviously is the the tailgate to heaven, and it has its own website, which is tailgate to heaven dot com. But if you go to that, you can click the link for the follow up book, and that's the book we're going to talk about now. That's the tailgate night rises. I like, think uh, you must be a Batman fan. Of it's a bit of a, the Dark Knight. I, I,
0: yeah, I, I am a Batman fan, but I, I didn't have a title for the second book, so I put it out to Twitter, and uh, I I forget the ch- the name of the chap who uh, got back to me. and There was a few different titles, and that one made me giggle. So yeah, I, I, like... I went, yeah, so I went with the Tailgate Night Rises. Um, yeah, the the second book is um, the follow up in, in that in two thousand and nine. I actually went back to America for a for a for uh, a road, another road trip, but this time more as a tailgater, as a, as the tailgatee. So in the first one, people were cooking for me. I thought to delve deeper into the tailgating world, wouldn't it be cool if I was living on a, a bus and I was tailgating across America? And um, I wanted to do it out of a London black taxi. My dad was a taxi driver and it would just have been a cool vehicle. But it wasn't to be, but somebody in America who I met in 2008 who did a big Super Bowl party? He was at the time a so called professional tailgater. He was sponsored by Hot Sauce and had some sponsorships. And they, he was doing, he, he basically bought a yellow school bus and decked it out with all NFL trinkets and the side of the vehicle came down as like a platform and we had a kitchen in there and slept in there a toilet and then like he raised the roof to have like a balcony up top and it was very it was very cool this sort of tiki bar on wheels and he he said why don't i come over drive the bus tailgate with him cook for people and uh basically go on his, his sort of schedule and what was good about it is i got to see quite a few college games so um and at the huskies stanford ucla asu notre dame as well as nfl games on the west coast mainly raiders uh went to raiders twice seattle um where i chargers broncos and saw my bears in atlanta as well as a lingerie football league game um <laughs>
1: which it's was incredible
0: <laughs> yeah saw my bears twice actually saw him at the bills in preseason. so the, this book is a bit more i'd like to say a bit funnier and probably a bit lighter there's less football games sort of 15 16 compared to foot 40 uh but there's some beer pong tournaments I ended up playing in quite a few beer pong tournaments and they were quite fun um but just being on the road living on this school bus trying to uh, english food to a bunch of americans you know the foibles of of me not having a clue about how buses work and it just being probably to a certain extent more of a more of a fun lighter road trip and I, i've written it in you know some of the stories or some of the funny stories weren't able uh, the, the publishers for tailgate to heaven couldn't put them in because of length um because this is a an ebook um on kindle i can kind of write how little or as much as i want and so i've put in some stories and you know my fiance prefers this one as i say it's it's more road trippy it's a bit lighter um so i think it's you know, probably a bit funnier, but people don't need to have read the first one to get to read this one. Though it helps. I'm not saying don't read the first one. Read <laughs> the both first them. one too. <laughs> both of them. So, you know.
2: The, uh, the you, you mentioned there's for Kindle, obviously, and uh, the I see you have. A, if you go to the website, as I mentioned, the the first the tailgate to heaven dot com, you can. It's probably the easiest way to get to find her else. Good Adams Twitter feed. That's at tailgate night, but. It's uh, £2.98, uh, £2.98, which uh, is very good value, and it, obviously you mentioned it's on Kindle, so you can just download it straight away and read it, so anyone that's interested in finding out a bit more about it, you can read maybe read this one then, go back, if you enjoy this one, go and buy the, buy the paperback or hardback copy of uh, Tailgate to Heaven, but I would thoroughly recommend reading both of them, and uh, the first one in particular, uh, the hardback edition that I had, was a, a very, very good read. It took me... 'm 'm not a big reader, but I uh, got through that one fairly quickly and uh, really enjoyed it, as Adam mentioned there yeah. he 's uh, down at the t- or the the green Man before the game at Wembley anyone that hasn 't been down before we met up with Adam down there last year and it's it 's a great place to go before the games gives you you know a lot of fun a lot of people around talking about American football drinking and having having just a good time in general so Best place as well to find out about that is to just Google the Green Man pub because you'll get Google Maps. Now, it's a bit hard to find, but it's uh, right down there beside Wembley, and it's a, it's a good occasion. But Adam will be down there, and he said he's selling his book. So maybe you could download this one. If you're on a flight, you can read it on the flight. And then when you get down to the Green Man, buy the buy the first book as well and get get all of Adam's stuff <laughs> all in one. Yeah, buy by all means
0: yeah. um some people have asked if it's coming out in, in, in printed and I don't I need, we need to see how well it does as a digit on a digital format first and then I can kind of approach printers and, and stuff like that. So um yeah, you know, it's it people have had a few problems in that but really if you have a tablet or a computer, you can just download the Kindle app, which is free. It's Amazon's you don't need an actual Kindle. You can do it off your smartphone and away you go.
2: So iPads and I think just uh, that's the easiest way to do it. But just uh, before we finish up, we all heard you mention there a few times that you're a Chicago Bears fan and everyone that listens <laughs> to the show will know that I'm a Packers fan and we have a, a little game coming up this weekend. Both teams coming off a of bye week. How confident are you feeling heading up to Lambeau Field?
0: Not really. <laughs> um, well, I mean, the, the, the bye has come at a good time. Last, last week when the Bears played the Patriots, I was coming back from... Um, i was coming back from Wembley, yeah. so I saw a few highlights off my phone, but I haven't watched the game. I've kind of blacked it yeah. out of my mind. Um,
2: highlights for the Patriots, was it, or highlights for the? Yeah,
0: pretty much. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was just off the phone. Yeah, it was just Patriots stuff. So I'm. Um, I'm a little worried. I'm. You know, the, the times this year against the Falcons, and well, we didn't. We beat the 49ers, but we shouldn't have done. It's been very. It's been disappointing, and I think that psychologically, I think in the third, fourth week, we're like, oh yeah, we're going to do really well, and now I've. I've changed our goalposts and just gone. Oh, we're re, we're rebuilding. It's okay. We're we're gelling together, but really, we're we're not doing very well, and it's upsetting. And I'd like to think that we'd be fired up for the Packers. You know, the, it's always a great game, no matter how bad or well both teams are doing. It usually becomes a, a close game. I, I saw the Bears lose in Green Bay in 2012. Uh, I think the opening game or second week. And as much as I hated to see my Bears lose, uh, Green Bay is a great place to see football, and it was just a cool. I didn't get any, yeah, you know, a bit of mockery from the locals, but it was just it was just, it's just a fun rivalry it, it's, um, and I'll certainly be uh, trying to watch that straight after, or I'll, I'll certainly watch the highlights of that, but I'm not confident, I don't know, I'm sure you're more confident than me.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty confident, but uh, obviously any time there's a big local or not even local, but a big uh, rivalry match like that, it's always, you know, sometimes form goes out the window and, you know, it doesn't really matter for anything, but The way the Packers were playing up to the game against the Saints, they weren't too good in that game overall, but... uh I think, uh, with the, the issues the Bears are having, but you mentioned they're rebuilding, I think that Tressman definitely deserves more, you know, there's people already talking about the hot seat but he deserves more time and we'll see what happens with Jay Cutler, but he, there's an issue with turnovers at the moment, but it should be a, a very fascinating game, obviously the Packers bet them in Soldier Field, so they'll be looking for some revenge as well for that one, so it's one I'm really looking forward to, but you mentioned you'll be watching it after the after the uh, Cowboys game, so hope you, uh, we're not getting over to that game, but I hope you enjoy the game, hope you have a good time at the, up at the Green Man, I hope so some of the guys called by to, to buy the book. But as always, uh, Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And maybe when the Packers are heading into the playoffs and the Bears have no games left, we'll get you back on to, to give you some, uh, some American football to look forward to.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, man. Cheers. Hi, this is Harry Carson, former New York Giant and Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Overtime Ireland.
2: So that was Adam on the on the show. And uh, obviously you can follow him on Twitter. It's at Tailgate Night Night obviously with a K, and uh, be sure and give him a follow and talk to him, anyone going to the game this weekend, be sure and get some tips off him for tailgating, and uh, I've gone to a few games in America, he was always very helpful giving out some information about uh, the best ways to go about meeting up with people and tailgating and so on, so he's a great guy to talk to on Twitter, I mentioned his new book, be sure and check that out, Uh, buy it there if if you're so inclined to, to have a wee read of it, and I've had a look through it myself, and I thought it was very, very interesting and uh, obviously i read his first book tailgate to heaven which was fantastic so can't uh, recommend both those books enough so be sure and check them out dj a lot of stuff coming up in the next few weeks and obviously no more so than this week and the dallas cowboys fans have the have the uk cowboys bash coming up and it's sold out event so i guess if you're going to the game and you're looking for tickets it's a bit too late but they have lots of stuff going on so be sure and check out on uk cowboys fans on twitter or UKCowboysFans.com as well from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they've loads of stuff going on. Meeting up at the Green Man Pub outside Wembley with free entry on the Sunday. That event, as I mentioned, is at the Sports Bar and Grill in Piccadilly, but it's sold out. That is on the Saturday. There's live Cowboys Radio being broadcast from the Sports Bar and Grill in Maryborn, and that there will free entry as well. And they're they're broadcasting there both uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So any Cowboys fans in London for the week, be sure and check that out. Best way to find out everything going on at those events is go to at UK Cowboys Fans on Twitter. Uh, they're our team. ...for the season they won the OTI Fan Free Agency... ...but they're doing a fantastic job spreading the word of the game in the UK... ...and of course helping get all the Cowboys fans together. So that event is coming up this Saturday... ...but there's lots of stuff going on in and around London... ...that they're organising as well. So check them out on Twitter and check out their website... ...for uh, any further information. Our website DJ is overtimeireland.com... ...and as always anyone interested in writing for the site... Or that, ...just get in touch. We're always looking to give people a platform to write. There's new articles going up there each and every day on the site do check them out. The easiest way to find out what's going on is to go to our Twitter feed, that's at Overtime Ireland. The website though, if you want to just go straight to that, it's If you want to get in touch any questions or topics for the show, the email is at Overtime at gmail.com, if it's something that you don't think will fit into the 140 characters of Twitter. Obviously you can uh, rate and subscribe to the podcast, uh, give us a comment on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to it on, that always helps us and uh, Anything else, DJ, really to talk about before we end the show other than when we come back for our preview show, we'll be joined by Ross Tucker. Listen to the Ross Tucker podcast as well, uh, which is fantastic, one of the reasons we got into podcasting, but be sure and check that out. His Twitter handle is at Ross Tucker NFL, which I'm no doubt he will shamelessly plug when he's on on the preview show this Thursday night. But until then, I suppose, DJ, if, uh, have you anything else that you want to talk about on the show?
1: Uh Look, I'm looking forward to watching your Green Bay Packers, because my Patriots aren't playing in week 10 it's the bye week so best, luck by to weeks. best of luck to the Green Bay Packers because otherwise I'm going to have to listen to Column giving out next week so <laughs> go pack go! <gold. laughs>
2: I'm sure that was said through grit teeth DJ so we'll be previewing that game of course against the Bears on that preview show as I mentioned and uh, until then all that's left to say is
1: I'm Column. and I'm DJ and until then have a good one